This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mangan. Uh, Liquid Review has been having a crazy week at work this week, uh, so he had to bail from the recording at the very last minute. Um, but I felt kind of bad about like outright canceling the episode, considering that we ended the last episode saying that there's one last episode left before our August break. So I decided to bring in a friend of the show, Richard, to talk about one of my consumer electronics obsessions, Minidisc. Hello, Richard. Hello. <laughs> uh, so as I just mentioned, Littlest Possibility will be on hiatus for the rest of August. We're going to return sometime in September. So stay tuned to our Twitter at LimiPope underscore podcast for an announcement on the date of our return. Uh, a preview as to some of the topics you may be uh, hearing about this fall. Uh, I personally have a RetroTank 5X video scaler and a Playdate uh, on the way, so we are most likely going to talk about that this fall. And I know, uh, <laughs> I know, Dukadivi has some recent purchases of his own to talk about as well. Uh, so it's going to be brag about your purchases fall here on Littlest Possibility, most likely. Um, so look forward to that. Nice. All right, mean disc. What's mini disc? Uh, mini disc is a Sony-developed optical disc format that was on the market from 1992 to 2013. It probably peaked in popularity somewhere around 1998. Uh, at the very least in Japan, that's when it peaked. Uh, the discs themselves are similar in size to 3.5-inch floppy disks, but they are about a bit thicker at 5 millimeters. Um, the discs aren't... Uh, they're enclosed in a rectangular plastic case, and it has a sliding door to keep the disc covered until it's inside the player. And it was available as 60-minute, 74-minute, and 80-minute rewritable blank discs. Uh, this is assuming you were recording in stereo in the original A-Track codec. Lots of mini-disc players, even the portable ones, actually doubled as recorders via a line-in or mic-in jack. Uh, this could be used to dub CDs or cassettes onto mini-disc or used for press interviews and a bunch of other cool scenarios. And uh, later codecs would allow for much more music to be stored on these 80-minute discs, up to 610 minutes in high LP mode, uh, which is 64 kilobits per second A-Track 3+. Eventually, they would uh, introduce something called NetMD, which would basically allow you to hook up your uh, mini-disc player via USB cable and transfer MP3 and WMA files by transcoding them to A-Track 3. And I think maybe the most misunderstood aspect of Minidisc is that it was primarily intended as a replacement for cassettes, not CDs. Uh, mm. the, the primary use case for Minidisc was always that you were going to be recording your own MDs. And there were very few pre-recorded albums uh, released on Minidisc. That's not to say that there weren't any. There definitely were. It's just they were hard to find. And nowadays, they go for massive amounts of money online. <laughs> But yeah, on a, on a purely technological level, it is a fantastic replacement for cassette tapes, as we'll see uh, in a little bit. So, Minidisc is really fucking cool. Yes! <laughs> Someone had to say it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Minidisc is, like, some of the coolest technology out there, because it feels like it was something that was ripped straight out of the future. And, again, like, this was... Th this technology originated in 1992, and I think, like, a lot of the... Uh, MD devices people think of are late 90s and early 2000s models and that's okay but like the base framework of all of this was already there from the very first units yeah. um, and I think the easiest way to understand this is that CDRW didn't exist until 1997 so they were five years ahead of CDRW as a technology even existing 
And CD burners weren't widely available until the mid-2000s. Uh, so Minidisc already there, like, they were doing something that was cooler because it was smaller. And they were doing it before the big CDs and before it was widely available. And because it was small, it had this incredible technological density. Uh, most portable MD recorders were smaller than the average Walkman. And the thing that they could do is they could not only play the cassettes, well, play the mini discs, they could also record them. And in many ways, these tiny MD devices could do everything like a big tape deck could do and more, which is yeah. just like mind breaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Minidisc also popularized rechargeable batteries for portable consumer electronics. A lot of the higher-end models came with charging cradles and docks. And uh, with that, I mean, Minidisc, because of how complex it was and all of that stuff, uh, required more battery power than a Walkman did to some extent. Uh, so it sort of made rechargeable batteries that you charge basically daily a thing which wasn't really a thing for that many other consumer electronics at the time because cell phones weren't yet that popular and all of that stuff. So mm. it's sort of a, a peek into the future once again. Uh, skip protection buffers. Uh, this came to Minidisc before CDs because uh, since everything on a Minidisc is 8-track compressed, uh, you need the buffer to actually be able to decompress the audio. Uh, so it got it sort of as a free implementation detail, which is kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. Uh, <laughs> this didn't become commonplace on portable CD players until the mid-90s. Uh, so it's kind of cool that that happened that way. There's this wide variety of colorful player and recorder form, factor, uh, form factors and designs, especially on the Japanese market. I think these are some of the consumer electronics with the most personality that you're going to find out of any consumer electronics that's a good word for it actually yeah it's just so so much variety not well not just in form factor but color as well it's just it, it was a very joyous format i think yeah definitely it feels almost like the first wearable like yeah i think it's a bit of a stretch but it, it's you can almost like think, I don't think people actually did this, but you could have like multiple Discman, uh, not Discman, multi, multiple mini disc players to like match with your outfit or whatever, because there was that range. Whereas you can't really say that about that many other categories of products, like maybe iPod minis at very early on, but mm. very quickly that disappeared. Well, actually, there is one thing about the wearable thing. I don't know if you're going to mention it. Are you going to mention about the remotes? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. So, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> a, a bunch of MD players and recorders came with LCD remotes that would display playback status and track names, uh, which was really cool. And it sort of goes with the fact that unlike the Discman at the time, most of these mini disc players were pocketable, which meant that you were much less likely to drop them when you were out and about because you often had to hold the damn thing. Uh, because it didn't necessarily fit in a pocket. Like, unless you had, like, a giant hoodie pocket or something. Like, you weren't really mm. going to hold it in your pocket. And when I said the LCD remotes have track names, that's because Minidisc has always supported track metadata. Uh, mm. It sort of uses... Uh, 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 what am I looking for? Like, an ancestor to what eventually became CD text, uh, which is supported on CDs, although it is not supported that widely uh even 25 years after the spec was invented <laughs> not many cds use it uh but mini just yeah 
<laughs> yeah, Minidisc just had it built in from day one because, of course, they did. It's Minidisc. Um, <laughs> so Minidisc, to me, sort of represents this massive infusion of new technology into the consumer electronics market. And eventually, most of this new technology would eventually be backported to the original CD. Or it was something that was just wider to the industry of portable consumer electronics as a whole, and it would set the standard for, like, the next decade. And that is insane. Like, you don't see that very often. Like, maybe you could make the case that, like, the miniature hard drives and the iPods kind of did that, or, like, flash memory. Mm -hmm. But that's one technology. Minidisc is, like, 17 things at once. (laughs) It's... Absolutely crazy. And then on top of that, it's just aesthetically cool in a way that a lot of more modern uh, and more convenient and practical music player options will never be able to match again. Um, I see this a lot on Twitter where like people will often post <laughs> pictures of like these OQO or uh, the Viotype UMPCs of the uh, mid-2000s, uh, which were like these handheld PCs that ran Windows Vista and like wait we what? Ha- yeah, yeah. <laughs> go look up Viotype U. Uh you will have a field day. I saw one of these in person one time and it was mind blowing. Um and like the difference is that like yes these devices were cool but Windows Vista's a shitty OS to begin with. It's not going to be a good <laughs> handheld OS. So there were a lot of flaws with that product. It just looked cool. Minidisc was good, though, and it yeah. was really cool. So <laughs> it's it's like on a higher tier of that like 2000s weird design, uh, whatever they were smoking back then. And <laughs> t- t- to me, Minidisc players and Minidisc recorders sort of are a physical artifact from an era of wild technological experimentation that I honestly don't think we'll ever see again or at least Mm. maybe not in this kind of thing because like nowadays when we think about technological advancements it's like like the signal processing in your iphone makes your photos better but that's like implementation details of a chip i'm never gonna see uh Mm. if you look at like stuff like the neural engine which is like machine learning is going to make kinds of software possible on your phone that were not possible before but Mm. there's no like tangible real feeling of that technology it's just something that was not possible before is better or has become possible Mm -hmm. and i I think minidisc is just kind of that in an electronics device which is really cool and it's also an iconic device type from the era when personality and consumer electronics went further than the color of aluminum you used to wrap a piece of glass uh because (laughs) that's what phones are now like it's it's what colors are apple going to choose this year to wrap the piece of glass that is the iphone and like maybe it's mini led and that's about it um so i guess mini disc to me is sort of retro futurism as it's at its best where it's like it's clearly in the past, but it still feels a bit like the future because of how ahead of the curve it was back in 1992. I can, I, can, I can see that. And it's actually pretty interesting how, like, in many um, anime of, like, you know, the, the end of the century, um, set in the future, but the main storage device was something that was obviously based on minidisc. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking of stuff like, you know, like, uh, Ghost in the Shell, Cowboy Bebop, things like that. Um, there's a lot of that mini disc aesthetic in in those shows, and I think 
yeah, it's it's kind of representative of of of, of the time period, really. And a lot of those shows were being conceived of while Minidisc was in its peak. So it, it was right. very much yeah. like, yeah. Um, or even like Haruhi, it was what, like 2006 for season one? And that was still mentioning Minidisc then. Uh, it was maybe starting to be on the way out by then. But uh, like there are still ripple effects of Minidisc on a lot of uh, pop culture up until maybe 2010. But you know what? I think I think even now it still looks pretty futuristic. Yeah, I mean, definitely. you know, if if you look at an actual media disc itself, it's this tiny little, you know, like a square of, of of plastic that that contains the shiny disc inside it, and it's like you know, y- yeah. If you know what a CD is, it's basically just a CD inside a caddy, but it it looks it looks so much more than that. You know, like the little metal shutter, the just the the, the tiny form factor if you've got like a if you've got um a transparent one you can see all the little mechanisms inside that you know operate the shutter and and, and keep the disc in place it's like it's it, it's just cool you know yep it's, and it, like blanks came in so many different colors that you could yeah if you had like a label maker or something and you wanted to make like a fancy graphic label for your mini disc you could pick something that would coordinate with the cover art although nowadays you can't really anymore because the only blanks that are being sold are the white ones um (laughs) but like there's such a range of expression both in the devices and in the discs themselves yeah that it's just oh i love it (laughs) like i i remember you know when i when i had all my mini disc collections i always used to get the transparent colorful ones mm-hmm. the ones that kind of look like sweets like they just look so tasty <laughs> like you just want to put them in your mouth <laughs> yeah and it's like around that please, period please don't of put the... them in your mouth by the yeah. way please don't <laughs> uh it's around the same period as like uh the imac and all of that stuff too where that kind mm. of design language was starting to be uh stolen by everyone in the world <laughs> um but yeah you know it's it's amazing it, Minidisc is just one of those products that I will never get tired of looking at. Mm. There's so much like expressiveness in everything that I just, it, it it's like, I, I hesitate to call anything perfect because it's not perfect, but it feels <laughs> like the perfect consumer electronics device for like someone who nerds out on like product design and yeah technology and all of that stuff and just in terms of concentration of awesomeness it's like yeah wow. so yeah you, you were saying it's it's very expressive and it's not just limited to the discs and the and the hardware itself but it's also like the way mini discs actually function the fact that you could you know make a mixtape and edit it on the fly just yeah. it's just mind-blowing power for the consumer at such you know at such an early year basically it's just uh, and by yeah. editing we mean like the, the tracks you could change their start and end points you could reorder them you could yep do a bunch of stuff i believe some uh md recorders even had like the, since they had the buffer for the uh playback they would borrow that buffer when recording so they would like put in maybe six seconds of audio before you press the record button so if you were trying to record something and you missed the button you could still go back and have those six seconds from earlier which is kind of crazy uh yeah and all of that was sort of enabled because kind of like 
regular CDs, you have a table of contents that is just metadata about the basically the file system and where all of your blocks of data are on the disk. And you can address them randomly because it's a compact disk. It's just, it's brilliant. Uh, and that's sort of what I meant when I, when I said that it excelled at being a replacement for tape is because mm. it's just tapes done way better with the advantages that you had from uh, CDs and even to some degree, like, uh, like zip drives and all of that stuff back in the day. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, though, um, Minidisc was widely considered to be a failure in North America, at least for the consumer market. Uh, <laughs> and I think a part of this was because it was premium technology at a premium price. Although, like to some degree, this is true all over the world. So it's going to be interesting later on to hear about uh, other markets. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, almost no music was re released directly onto MD, especially in North America, uh, which mm -hmm. meant you sort of already needed to have something to dub off of at home for an MD recorder to be useful at all for most consumers. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for most people, it was just a no-brainer to buy a Discman instead, because then you could just use your CDs directly instead of having to do the middle step of having to dub things onto MD first. Mm -hmm. The one market where I did see uh, a lot of success for Minidisc was in the radio market. Uh, mm. You see them uh, both for journalists on the field, and I think like even very recently there have still been journalists that count on Minidisc to do their uh, on-the-field interviews and all that stuff. Yeah. But also for in-studio use, uh, I've seen them in radio studios for like advertising uh, tapes and all that stuff. Well, obviously not tapes, but... Uh, like the the ads that played on radio used to be on mini disc until very recently uh, in certain stations. Uh, mm -hmm. I also see them quite a bit on PA systems and theaters and auditoriums and their rack mounted units. A lot of them were purchased quite a ways back and they still have mini discs. So they actually <laughs> count on it for that. But otherwise I've never actually seen anyone using a consumer mini disc player outside of a store here in North America mm. ever. Uh, wow. which means it's this thing that I've always sort of lusted after from a distance, but I've never actually like touched one of these things. Um, and I, I would ideally like to buy one soon. It's just right now it's really <laughs> tricky to buy literally anything from Japan, which is a problem. Um, yeah. But someday, I guess, uh, Canada will be able to order from Japan again and maybe I'll <laughs> be able to get a mini disc recorder that's pretty good. Um, so speaking of Japan, it was massive in Japan. Uh, it became mm. the dominant music format in 1998. Um, and part of this is because of how weird the music market is in Japan. Uh, so CDs, if you go in, try to buy an album, they're usually quite cost prohibitive. Uh, normally like an album here is like 10 to $14 in Japan. It's probably somewhere around $30. Uh, so it's not cheap. Um, but a bunch of rental shops such as Tsutaya or Geo uh, opened up and they let people rent CDs for about $2 a day. Mm. And you can assume that uh, mini disc recorders assume, uh, combined <laughs> with music rental shops sort of became Japan's Napster. Makes sense. Yeah, you could easily recover the upfront cost of the MD recorder with all of the cheaper music you were going to be getting out of that. And naturally, there was a bunch of arguing in the courts because of this. Um, there was a lot of lobbying from the manufacturers of these devices because MD was not just uh, made by Sony. They were a bunch of other companies like uh, Sharp, Panasonic, uh, Iowa, all those companies were mm -hmm. 
making third-party Manitas players and all that stuff. Uh, so they had a bunch of lobbyists, and eventually, like, sort of the end result of this arguing in the courts ended up being that uh, copying rented media for personal use was made legal, with a caveat. Yay! <laughs> and uh, that caveat was that a portion of blank media sales and rental shop fees now need to go towards paying royalties to the record labels. i think we sort of ended up doing this a similar thing with cdrs actually and maybe ipods as well here in canada yeah i remember hearing about that um so it's kind of funny how we basically came to the same conclusion uh because the assumption was no one's going to buy music to play on an ipod they're just going to i don't know download (laughs) it on napster or something uh so that's sort of how things played out in Japan, but it was huge. Uh, there were things like uh, bands who were lesser known would offer to dub music uh, from their performances onto an MD if you just sent them a blank, uh, which was great nice. for a bunch of smaller bands who didn't necessarily have record deals at the time, who wanted to get mm-hmm. their music out there. Uh, and it didn't require a computer, which computer adoption was just lower in general in Japan as well. Um so that's sort of how things went in Japan. I also hear it did moderately well in Europe, but I don't actually know anything about it. So that's why I brought you on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So my experience with, with MD uh, was in, uh, well, I guess it was secondary school. Um, I guess you, you'd call it high school. Yeah. Uh, well, like... in, in Quebec, we call it secondary as well. But yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. So... Um, Basically, you know how schools are, right? You know, cliques form of, of friends. You know, one yep. one person buys something and suddenly the rest of the class wants it and it kind of goes from there, right? Well, Minidisc was the technology of, of, <laughs> of my school. <laughs> uh, it was the cool product to have. Uh, so this was, this was around about 2000, yeah, about 2000, 2001-ish when I got my first... Uh, Midas player and basically yeah like you know before people just had walkmans and you know you you might you might bring your walkman um on a long trip uh you might listen you might listen to your walkman you know going going to school every day things like that but once mini disc kind of hit our school it was like it was the the in thing and it and like my personal music listening habits just grew exponentially. Like I started listening music everywhere, <laughs> literally everywhere. Um, part of it was because the mini discs themselves are just so small. You can you can carry uh, a whole day's playlist, you know, you know in, in your pockets. Um, whereas with tapes, you know, they 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 were a lot bulkier. Um, plus, you know tapes once you stop listening to them uh you either have to rewind them or if you want to get to another song you have to fast forward them you know whatever with me with mini discs you could you know put in the disc of your choice queue up the exact song you wanted within seconds and it was just it was just brilliant <laughs> i mean i i i i i gush over mini disc just as much as you do um <laughs> honestly uh it, it it did it did really enhance my life, I think, um, during that period when I was at school. 
I wonder if there are any people who are listening to this who have never used tapes and they're, they're for to them, like it doesn't seem like that big of a deal that you can just random access, listen to whatever track you want, because that's how it's been all their life. Yeah. Um, I had a tape Walkman for a really long time, uh, basically until I got an MP3 player and mm. uh, I would bring it to school and I would spend half the bus ride rewinding. <laughs> so it's like... It it doesn't even really feel like I listen to that much music at the end of the day, but yeah. No, um, I mean, oh god, <laughs> where to start? I mean, you know, the way you used to prepare cassettes in the old days, should we say? You know, making making cassettes is you'd either record something off like the radio, or dub it from you know from a CD or from another tape if. You know, if, if you really wanted to, and you've kind of you kind of had to have a, like a set list prepared, right? So mm-hmm. you you know you'd insert your first CD, you'd pick out the track, you'd press play on the CD, you press record on the tape, you'd wait for the entire thing to finish, press stop on the tape, change out the CD, put in something else, and so on and so forth until you had the whole cassette done, right? Well, with MiniDisc, one really cool feature that MiniDisc had uh, was optical audio in right so uh my mini disc player was just like a pretty run-of-the-mill basic um player mine was the sony mzr91 in a lovely pastel blue and like you said the thing about most mini disc players is that they also recorded and most mini disc players if not all came with optical audio in as standard and I was lucky enough to have uh, a home hi-fi with an optical audio out, which means, which meant that basically you could pop in a CD, uh, hit record, and it would just basically fast forward through the CD and just rip it straight to MD at, at super speed. Oh, nice. And at full quality. Yeah. And the best thing about MiniDisc is that once the disc is done, then you can reorder the tracks as you want it without having to re-record anything. So it really made um, getting your getting your set list, getting your playlist, getting you know a disc for a specific mood or a specific journey. It made it just so easy. Yeah, and it sounds awesome. It yeah, and I had a collection. I had a pretty big collection of mini discs for specific like journeys or moods or whatever. Um, of course, yeah, you know, I had mini discs that were just like MD versions of full CDs. Like I had a couple of, you know, trance albums that I, I put straight onto mini disc, for example. Um, but for example, I also had a mini disc specifically for going to the gym. So I had like, you know, my collection of like high BPM, Eurodance, stuff like that. <laughs> and um, I also made mini disc specifically for certain journeys so there was like one journey i did this was back when i was living in milan so i i went to school uh, i went to a british school in milan and one of my favorite journeys was taking the coach from milan central station to the airport at night and i created a mini disc specifically for this journey <laughs> so like <laughs> like a couple of you know a, a, on a couple of trips i kind of like you know gauged the timing and rearranged some of the tracks so that yeah. they would be perfect for, for the next journey so I, I got it perfectly so that as you're leaving the station and you're in this urban setting you've got some more you know more 
upbeat songs and then as you make your way to the motorway and everything gets darker it kind of just settles down into like a, a nighttime groove and just and just follows the journey perfectly so yeah that was uh that was my mel Pensa mix night md <laughs> which <laughs> oh man i i i loved i loved that that mix it was just fantastic yeah <laughs> sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> I've actually thought about doing similar things like that for um, specific Gran Turismo races. Mm. Um, the ones I keep going back to, I was thinking of making playlists for those in that kind of style. But yeah, if I if it had been back in the day, I would have done those on mini disc if I had access to that. Yeah, and of course, you know, nowadays it's it's so easy, you know, just to make a playlist of MP3s or whatever. But you know, back in the day, back when. CD burners, like you said, they still weren't that popular um, when making a, a cassette was kind of like, you know, a one-time deal, like you had to get it right first time or you had to start again. Just this, the fact that you could just, you know, record a mini disc, change the tracks around, delete a track, record a new track on top of something else, um, do whatever you want with, with your own music. It was just, it was just a breath of fresh air. It was, it was yeah <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic yeah it was like the birth of what we do well what a lot of people do nowadays with streaming services and spotify and all of that stuff mm. of sharing playlists like that like i think a lot of that can be traced back to like of course there were always mixtapes and all of that stuff but of like course, the, yeah. the ease of use really started with minidisc right yeah and um I mean, uh, I'm just looking at a, at a photo of, of of my old mini disc player. You know, l- looking at the machine itself, this 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 machine was barely bigger than a mini disc itself. It was tiny, and it just had so much power within that tiny little footprint. And um, and yeah, and like you said, it came with it with a remote. The remote was 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 one of the best features. Of, of personal music players that I think is is sorely missed nowadays. Um, so let me just describe this this remote for for the listeners. Um, it basically is connected to the mini disc player via a cable, and it's this long kind of strip of plastic. On the back is a clip, so you can you can literally clip it to your clothing, like you know your your. I, I usually clipped it onto my rucksack. Um, straps for example but you could you know clip it onto a shirt or whatever and on this little um on the remote was a screen the screen would display the track name that was currently playing it would show you know the battery and a few other things and it would also have control so you could skip uh rewind play pause uh volume up volume down whatever and then on the other end of the remote was the headphone jack so the idea was that you'd plug your headphones into the remote the remote was plugged into the mini disc so you could keep your mini disc in your pocket or in my case i put it in like my rucksack the top pocket of my rucksack i just had it one cable coming out my rucksack uh attached to the remote the remote was clipped onto uh, my rucksack straps and then the headphones were were uh, coming out of the remotes and you could literally control everything just there from your remote no need to take the mini disc out uh, while it was playing um yeah just fantastic ease of use <laughs> yeah nowadays like the closest thing you can really do is get an apple watch for like a thousand dollars and then yes. you can do the same thing for your iphone kind of um 
I mean, that digital crown does feel pretty good, but uh, yeah, it's kind of not in the same <laughs> price bracket as the mini disc uh, remote. Uh, yeah. There used to be also uh, early on in the jailbreak days, there was a friend of mine wrote an app uh, called Pocket Touch, which mm. was this full screen takeover that you could run. And it was just a remote control app for the music app. And mm. basically it it turned your entire screen backlight off, which was only something you could do with the jailbroken devices at the time. And then you could swipe up or down to control the volume and you could swipe left or right to uh, change tracks and you could double tap the screen to change playback. Oh, nice. And that was pretty good when you just had your phone in your pocket or something and you didn't want to... Uh, to take out your phone just to control playback and all of that stuff. That was pretty mm -hmm. useful. Um, then when they tried to get it in the app store, it kind of fell apart because you couldn't <laughs> turn the backlight off. So you just had like this black screen that was backlit all the time in your pocket. And mm. It was kind of a pain. Um, so I, I think it sort of died after a year or two on the app store. And that was too bad. Um, mm. You're not allowed to reprogram like the buttons or anything. Like the no. volume up, volume down buttons, yeah. Uh, people did that for a couple of months when they found out how to do it, but I think afterwards <laughs> uh, it got uh, it either got disabled on the SDK and or Apple rejected those apps. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it it wasn't really like Pocket Touch was mainly meant for iPod Touch because iPod Touch doesn't didn't have uh, volume up, volume down buttons at the time. Mm. Uh, the iPhone did, but not iPod Touch. Um, but yeah, like that's sort of the closest we've ever gotten to that with the iPhone and uh, modern music players in quotes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not that remote. And that also looks super futuristic. Like I, I'm a sucker for Indie Glow. Like you, you give me like that Timex Indie Glow <laughs> on anything and yeah. I will buy it. That's why I have a Game Boy Lite. It's like you gave me an entire Game Boy where the screen is Indie Glow. Like I need to have it. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I'm kind of a sucker for that. But, it, yeah, that's one of the things I really want to play around with is the mini disc remote. It just looks so cool. Yeah. And uh, at least at least mine, it was like, you know, transparent plastic. So you could see the internals and everything. Oh, wow. And like the and like the um, the, the, the the end where with the like the, the play pause buttons, stuff like that, um, like you could physically move the little nub at the end up and down. And it kind of, you know, gave a. It was, it was kind of a bit. How to describe it? It, it, it kind of felt like you, you weren't supposed to do it because, like the, the, the whole, the whole nub, the whole end of the remote, kind of slid up or down a little bit, and it didn't really click. It kind of just moved a bit. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It was a bit. It was a bit of a strange movement, but it was super quick. You know, when you need, when you wanted to fast forward, you just like nudge you know nudge the end up a bit a couple of times and yeah it, it worked it worked so well and you could use the remote for like um putting in the the track titles and the and the, and the disc name and stuff like that and it was much quicker to do it with the remote than to do it on on the mini disc itself or using the the turning thing yeah yeah because it because it was it was just so much quicker just to you know quickly tap you know the the button up a, a couple of times to select mm. each letter rather than um trying to tap a small button on the on the um on the device itself yeah i saw that a bunch of the um 
the mini disc decks that were meant for home use, they had sometimes PS2 keyboard ports that you could plug <laughs> in a desktop keyboard into to yeah. type in your titles. So that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually, I, I, I did have a friend who had uh, a MIDI system with a mini disc integrated in it. And yeah, it, it even that looks fantastic. It, it's just, you know, uh, it, that area of electron of home electronics was just, it was just so aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. It, it really was. It was. It was clean. It was. It was functional. It was. Mm, there was. There was really something about it. I can't. I can't describe it. It was just so good. So pleasing. <laughs> yeah, late nineties Sony is a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And in terms of like popularity in Europe, more generally, mm-hmm. like I know you said that in your school it was the hotness but did you have a feeling that other people in europe were feeling that or was it just like a localized thing um i'll probably say it wasn't it wasn't like i i don't think it was ever super popular i don't think it was as popular as it was in japan i think it was still a niche um but i think especially people of my age range i think it was very popular with them and i think it was also very popular in the professional space like you said especially like at radio stations and and, um news gathering places you know recording studios places places like that so i i i'll say that i don't think i don't think minidisc was super mainstream but it certainly did have a following and if you ask most people of my age if they remember minidisc uh, like you know in europe i do think they will i think mm. they'll know at least one person who did have a mini disc player because i mean i, I mean if, if if you think about it right at the, at that time period what what choices did you have right did you stick with your uh with your walkman mm, okay cd discmans yes they were popular uh but discmans discman was still read only right so you either needed you either needed a cdr uh, at home or you just had to be happy with you know all the all the cds that came out and mp3 players were starting to come out but they were still very bulky very expensive and i think personally the audio quality just wasn't wasn't quite there mm-hmm. and do you feel that md was mostly stuck to a niche either because it was too expensive or because less people cared about uh curating their playlists themselves or do you have a sense for that or um i mean i'm not entirely sure because remember you know i was a teenager at the time so mm. <laughs> you know i i only really had experience of 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 what of 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 people around me um all i know is that minidisc was was very very versatile mm-hmm. it was it was a bit more expensive than than disc than discman and walkman's sure but I think the recording capability was such was such um, an incredible feature that you just couldn't overlook it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over here in North America, even like even after the iPod was out already, I think the entrance price for a CD CD uh, portable CD player was somewhere around a hundred dollars, whereas you were mm. looking at least two hundred fifty three hundred dollars to buy into MiniDisc. And I think, like, for a lot of people, the fact that it was 
a tape replacement didn't really matter as much as I just want something to listen to on the go. Mm. Uh, and I think that sort of uh, filled the gap up until uh, the iPod came along and then everybody sort of freaked out that you could just have a thousand songs in your pocket and <laughs> nothing mattered anymore. And that's sort of what knocked uh, Minidisc off its pedestal in Japan as well. Um although to a lesser degree because you needed a computer to be able to use it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to hear about how that differs from market to market. The impression I got was that Minidisc wasn't something you just happened to come across, right? So you didn't just go to a store and you'd see Minidisc play and said, oh, okay, I think I'll have that. It's like you, you'd go to Minidisc knowing full well what its benefits and capabilities mm-hmm. are and actually actually saying yes i actually want this amazing piece of kit because it's amazing (laughs) it's like a cult following for a tech product yeah (laughs) yeah that sounds right like the the enthusiasts know but everybody else kind of just sees it from the periphery Hmm. but yeah i do think there was certainly word of mouth uh around europe so you know like you you uh, like like I said, I think everyone knew at least one person who had a mini disc player. So whether or not they were interested in in it through that person, you know, that was that was up to them really. Mm-hmm. I will say, um, you mentioned that there wasn't much uh, recorded music, like pre-recorded music on mini disc, and yeah, that's uh, that is true. Uh, but on one holiday to London, I did go to the to the biggest HMV in London on Oxford Street and I found the mini disc section amazing and <laughs> and by mini disc section it was let let's say like a, a, a rack of of like two columns of discs and that's it <laughs> <laughs> this was like early 2000s like 2000 and I want to say 2002ish kind of um so yeah, obviously there wasn't that much selection, uh, but I did pick up one of my favorite albums ever. Uh, I got Chicane's "Behind the Sun." Um, that that disc was soundtrack to many of my journeys, and I I don't think I'd really heard of Chicane before. I think I'd, I'd heard one or two tracks of of his, so kind of like I said, oh okay, I, I want to try out the album, and yeah, that album blew my mind <laughs> and and the fact that it was on mini disc meant that i could take it everywhere with me and you know it would always be there for me that's awesome uh did you ever have any like uh good uses for the recording while on the go on the mini disc player yes i did um i mean Again, I can't understate how powerful this piece of kit is, right? <laughs> That's why we're spending an entire episode gushing about it. I know, it. right? It is an entire recording studio in your pocket. That's what the tagline should have been. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I keep thinking of, of that scene in, in Back to the Future where, where, where Doc looks at the, at the camcorder and says, oh, it's, a whole, you know, it's a whole video studio in... In, in your hand and it's like amazed by it and it's like yeah mini disc was that but for audio basically <laughs> um so yeah so at, at home you know we had the we had the family hi-fi um it had optical outs which was great i could dub cds in perfect quality well okay not perfect you know a track was was a lossy format okay 
but whatever. Um, Eventually, you could when they had high MD with PCM, you could actually get yes. CD quality. But yeah. <laughs> um, but apart from that, you know, you you didn't just have to plug in an optical cable; you could plug in anything. And for my <laughs> for my final year university project, Metex, uh, the Paris Metro Experience, I did in fact buy a very nice um, microphone. Uh, for my mini disc, and I took it around the Paris Metro and just recorded soundscapes inside the Paris Metro. And I, I didn't just do this then. I, I like there was a period where I thought that maybe I could try making some music, so I'd, I'd like go out and record samples <laughs> in, <laughs> in various places. Uh, it didn't really work out. But the fact that you know, in the palm of your in the palm of your hand, you had something that record high quality. Uh, audio um you know that the battery lasted quite a long time it was rechargeable yes but you could also slot in like an extra battery pack and with a single double a battery you got like an extra couple of hours um so it was it was super flexible um and yeah just so much versatility so much power in this tiny little device it yeah <laughs> It's a mind-blowing ecosystem. <laughs> it, it really is, and I think I was I was still using it um, when I arrived in Japan. I think so. That was like two thousand five. Yeah, two thousand five. <laughs> I think shortly after, I I kind of got you know I I got an iPod mm -hmm. and um, kind of you know jumped on the jumped on that particular bandwagon. So I kind of missed out on the whole NetMD angle. Yeah, it sounds like the software wasn't that great either, so you oh, probably didn't miss really out on much. Um, I actually, I had to use the software because, um, let me think now. There was some some kind of like special offer where if you bought an album um, for your PSP, oh uh, it was like, yeah, you got like one free album to listen on your PSP and it used the same Sonic Stage software oh, no. as the minidisc and it was awful <laughs> it was really bad <laughs> sony are not known for their software I've no really not yeah <laughs> oh. well at least now you can do it from your browser <laughs> oh boy yeah yeah <laughs> so that's cool um are those uh, Metex clips still in the version that's online now? Yes, they are. If you, <laughs> if you have a, uh, if I can do a little plug, if you head over to Metex.app, uh, on a couple of stations you can actually hear station audio, and those were recorded on my mini disc on my mini disc player. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of train station sounds recently, so I might be due for a. Uh, a revisit of those. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess, do you still have your mini disc player lying around somewhere or did you get rid of it? No, it is somewhere. I don't have it with me right now. Um, I did a couple of moves, you know, a few years ago and I put a lot of stuff in storage. Mm. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I still do have it, but it is in storage. So I don't have immediate access I to see. it, I'm afraid. But last time I checked, it was still in perfect working order. The battery's probably gone, but, yeah. you know. It still works. You, it's, it, you can still power it through the mains, so <laughs> it's oh, fine. Right. 
I, yeah, that's another thing you could do. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it was just so versatile. You could it do anything you wanted with it. I know. <laughs> that's nuts. Uh, I had a, a mixing board on my watch list on eBay last year that also had an onboard MD recorder. Oh, wow. And I was thinking about getting it because I could theoretically use it with an audio interface to record the podcast. But I was like, <laughs> eh, that, that, it's a bit too much and I'm running out of space here in my limited uh, living room setup uh, to do that. Um, but yeah, I, it was really cheap too. I could have gotten it really easily, but somebody sniped it before I got to uh, it. So I do know that like they, you know, Sony still are making me disc blanks, but no one's quite sure how much longer they're going to do that. Yeah. I know that like, you know, there's, there's been a recent resurgence in old audio formats, especially vinyl, um, which I'm kind of guilty of hopping on that <laughs> myself um but minidisc is also kind of making a slight comeback yeah as kind of um especially in like the, the vaporwave scene yeah it makes sense <laughs> yeah exactly it was it was kind of that of that of that era and um like i i guess for for american people it's kind of like it fits into the whole you know, like a a future that never really existed, but you know, it, it's still very um, nostalgic because obviously Mindesk was never a thing in in in, in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, it just plain it just is plain nostalgic. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I managed to get a couple of a couple of releases. Um, I've, I'm holding Saint Pepsi's World Tour in my hands right now. <laughs> That's a banger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but all all the new releases they are all made with this same modern Sony uh, blank stock. Um, Does it have a lab- custom label on it or anything? Or? Yeah, so like the the whole front is like uh, full. It, it's been printed on. Uh, um, how how do you describe it? Is it like screen printed or something? I'm not in that industry, so I can't. Yeah, say. like it's it's not a label. It was like printed directly onto the plastic, and right, it looks right. really good. But you can tell it's uh, you can tell it's like um, it's 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 a home MD because it's got the shutter at the front, right. whereas the the commercial mini discs they didn't have a shutter at the front because that's that's where like the re- that's where the recording laser would be. So there was there was no need for a shutter at the front. So mm-hmm. you just had like full uh, a full artwork label on on the front of the MD. It also means you can technically write over the the album yeah. if you aren't <laughs> careful. Yep. Uh, they do have right protect tabs, which ah, okay. is, it's um yeah, but it's a small little plastic tab you can flick on and off, so you nice. can you, you can make it um you can lock it at will. That's cool. I, I should think about uh, looking into some of those releases, even though I don't have like a player or anything. Uh, I should get some if I see them that look interesting, so that I have them on hand if I ever do get a player. Uh, I yeah. think also uh the store Retroco, which is in uh, somewhere in California, I don't remember which part of it. Um, they have a mini disc mixtape club where they mail out mini discs every couple months, I think, uh, to people uh, with mixtapes on them that you can listen to. Huh. And I believe they also tried to time mini disc player uh, stock in their inventory 
around the same time that they do those drops. So if you don't have a player, you can usually find like five players that have been refurbished at the, around the same time uh, that are up and go very quickly. Uh, I haven't ever <laughs> been able to actually grab one in time, uh, <laughs> but but that's an option. So yeah, there has been renewed interest in Minidisc uh, in terms of people selling things on Minidisc, and that's actually been really cool. Uh, mm. I think everyone sort of is living that weird nostalgia, kind of like um, <laughs> Pool Suite FM, uh, or oh, yeah. side as it used to be called, which is just like this uh, this iPhone and web app that lets you relive the nostalgia of '90s era Mac and Windows operating systems, and like vaporwave and future funky uh, music. On top of that, it's just really wacky and cool, and it's going to be on the Playdate too, which is kind of wild. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, There's nice. a pool suite app that comes with the play date. <laughs> oh my god! Oh no! <laughs> I might have to get one now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, go watch the play date direct if you haven't seen it or whatever it was called when they did it. Uh, there's a full demo of it. It it's to go with their speaker uh, docking thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, so th- like everyone is super nostalgic for this weird era, uh, which is conveniently the one that we grew up in. Uh, right now uh, yeah. so there's a lot of interest in it and I, I thought like this episode would be a nice way to uh, beyond just this weird like aesthetic nostalgia thing actually explain why mini disc is so fucking cool because I think a lot of people miss that and also like if I had done this episode by myself or with Ricard Vier, uh, like Ricard Vier, I think he maybe has like some weird curiosity about why i'm obsessed with minidisc but he doesn't actually like know anything about it so i don't think i would have been able to carry the episode uh to actually be interesting in any way but having you on is actually great because you actually have used it and are on the same wavelength as i am yeah uh so it it actually helped to make this like an actual complete episode instead of just like (laughs) one-sided one side talking about how much how cool it is but how i've never tried it so i don't actually know (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm always happy to expand the cult of Minidisc. Yeah. <laughs> Spread the good word. <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything else to say or have we pretty much covered it? Um, I think I think we've pretty much covered it, but uh, maybe just just one last thing. It's just like holy shit, this was a fully re-recordable digital audio music player with a tiny form factor with amazing aesthetics and incredible functionality in the late 90s early 2000s this 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 was the soundtrack to my teenage life it is so precious to me it really is <laughs> <laughs> yep it's one of those iconic devices and it it needs more love like uh uh marquez brownlee has this uh, youtube original show called retrotech and I was so disappointed when uh, the episode he did was about the Walkman and not about Minidisc. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I understand why this one is notable for North American audiences. But Minidisc is just cooler. And it does so much more than the tape Walkman ever did. And like, mm. sure, w- without the Walkman, we probably never would have had Minidisc. Uh, and it did a lot for Sony that the Walkman was theirs and really put them on the map and all that stuff 
but mini disc is just so fucking cool. <laughs> like yep. that's the conclusion to leave this episode with is mini disc is fucking cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> every, everyone remembers tapes and CDs, but <sighs> mini disc was so much better than both of them. It yes. just, it just really was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, uh, let's end the show here, uh, for this week. So, like I said at the start of the episode, uh, we won't be back until September. So check out the show on Twitter at Limipo podcast, uh, Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast on Twitter, uh, to find out when we'll be back. Um, yep. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And where can people find you? Uh, well, I don't really have much of a public presence, but you can, <laughs> you can listen to the, uh, uh, <laughs> to the background sounds of the Paris Metro at metex.app. Cool. Uh, I also forgot to mention the podcast is at limitlesspossibility.net, but you probably know that considering you're listening <laughs> to it right now. Uh, and you can find uh, show notes for this specific episode at limitlesspossibility.net slash 166. So we'll see you in September. Bye.